0: it's what you call the boredom okay that one was weird it's gonna be the feel everything movie of the summer disney and pixar's inside out 2 rated pg parental guidance suggested only in theaters june 14. get tickets now reef therapy by reef builders is brought to you by icp analysis
1: what's in your water and now here's jake adams and mark vanderwall it's been i think it's been almost a month since we sat down in this format i mean you were out here uh, two weeks ago, and I can't thank you enough for, um, you know, co-piloting the, the Reap Studio Tour. I felt like that was the best way to present the studio. And, yeah, man, two hours. is still, like, it's, it's still so fast to just yeah. zoom by every tank. Um, yeah, and then a fun. podcast, man, you worked. You worked <laughs> for a day. I, I want to I promise you, next time you come out, I won't force you to do all nah, of that. But it was a good time. I just need... I needed to. Uh, I needed you there.
0: Yeah, no, it was good. I, I I had fun. You know, I mean, it was it was us geeking out for a whole day. Uh, it it didn't feel
1: like work to me. So my voice um, was a little
0: raspy at the end because we'd done so much talking. But you know, that was a good thing.
1: Yeah, me too. I was so faded by the end of that day that I wanted to make sure to like re-listen to that whole recording to make sure you know it was all kosher.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but uh i know there's a lot of anxious listeners uh who are interested in our thoughts on probably the biggest news of the year yeah uh bulkree supplies purchase of um neptune systems but uh i feel like there's a, you know just a couple things i want to tell you about uh before we we dive into the deep end and uh try to give a, a more measured um I guess, an opinion about what's going on. Okay, let's dive in. I'm good. I have a blind purple tile fish. Oh, what happened? I, f- I, I don't know what happened, but even when you were here, there was the four purple tiles. Yeah. And uh, from day one, there was this one of the four specimens who would let himself just kind of be, you know, sucked up gently by the power filter yeah um either at the surface or on the bottom, and when I would feed, he would kind of come out like you know he could smell it in the water, but he wouldn't um he wouldn't eat and um after man, I think I've had this these fish for four weeks or six weeks, I finally realized that he's blind. The other oh, three man. eat just fine, they're super good weight um but yeah, his eyes are totally fine, and I mean this is not. I would say it's rare, but it's not unheard of. Yeah, and um, but I have figured out that when I feed, he goes into this one particular corner, and I've started tapping on the glass very gently um, with the metal tweezers, just when I, the, what I use to pinch the the, the mice, the frozen mice, shrimp, and he'll he'll go to this one particular corner where the food will end up, and it's so funny, like you know, seeing him basically kind of run his mouth along the bottom, waiting to. To, to to like run into pieces of mysis that are on the ground, and so I have to feed like a, a lot of food to that tank so he has enough because the other three purple tiles will just go straight for it. So yeah, just, boom, just zoom for it, and it's so like it's so amusing watching him eat because you know a big chunk of mysis could be like one millimeter from his mouth to the left or to the right, and he'll just turn the wrong way. I'm like, no, you're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird having the most entertainment. From a blind fish, from a blind fish. So he's a little skinnier than the others. Um, I think what I'm going to end up doing is putting him maybe in a five-gallon tank or a 10-gallon tank by himself and see if I can figure out a way to to train him to eat more deliberately. Because otherwise, he's a beautiful-looking specimen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're already partially there with the training, right? So Mm -hmm. he's starting to Mm -hmm. respond to you tapping the glass and... I just wonder how, how stuff like that always happens. Because I know they're notorious jumpers. Maybe
1: he, he bonked against something a bit too hard. or If if he did, it didn't happen on my end. Because, yeah. I mean, just the other day, we, we wanted to scrape the tank uh, that they're in and clean it up. And um, we drained the water in that system by half because we knew what we were in for. And even with the water drained, like, halfway, um, one of them managed to bonk his head. On the glass lid, keeping him in, yeah. and he, his eye was swollen for about two days. you, know, no infection, no hemorrhaging or anything. Um, but it's since it has gone back down. So yeah, those those guys are like, I think you're worse than eels. they you're worse than eels. They're worse than than jawfish. They're worse than firefish, worse than rasses, just but on the flip side, they're they are at the surface kind of spitting water a little bit and like begging for food. and they're like they're like fun little puppy dogs as long as you can keep them in, in the tank,
0: right. That's cool. Yeah, I I had two fish go missing. Um, it's a it's a bummer because they were like the probably my two favorite fish. But uh, between going down to Florida and dealing with the family stuff, and then coming to Colorado, and then shortly after Colorado, I did that. Uh, I went on a, a backpack fly fish trip in Wyoming. So it was three whole weeks where. Either my wife was taking care of the tank or, you know, I was having a neighbor stop by. But uh, it, it, it's funny, you come back and you're like looking at your tank and and the first thing you think is like everything looks healthy, there's no algae outbreak, all the corals are thriving. And mm-hmm. it was like three days later, I was like, hey, wait, my mystery rash is gone. Um, and oh, then, no. Yeah, I was bummed about that guy. And and a rainford eye, goby is... Well, he's been cryptic, so maybe he's around, but I just haven't seen him, so bit of a bummer but and i mean everybody did a good job feeding them so i i don't know you know hard to say what happened they may
1: have what do you think uh do you think the mystery rest might have jumped out while someone was feeding
0: i i'm worried well i mean i've you know i i fully disclose that i don't think of. i've got that four inch lip of glass and i was mm. i had no illusions of that keeping jumpers in the tank wholeheartedly but i do wonder while my while the rest of my family was home, like maybe he jumped and my dog picked him up as a snack or something, because oh, <laughs> I looked yeah. around the back of the tank and everywhere, uh, I looked in the overflow box and he's nowhere to be found. So,
1: oh, here's a, here's a funny kind of gross story. I uh, <laughs> uh, in college at my 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 spot over in Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, I had a uh, mandarin goby, a dragonet, and. Uh, one day I noticed that he was missing and I didn't, I didn't have any cats. I didn't have any dogs. I didn't have anything that would eat him. And I was just like, you know, I'm bare bottom. So there's not really any place for him to like just get decomposed by the sand or stuck in a powerhead or, or not a lot of cleanup crew to just like take him apart. So I was convinced he jumped out. So I looked all over the tank and couldn't find him anywhere. And in that room, I had my African gray who, um, she shed a very fine layer of dander, uh, on a dark, dark hardwood floors and it was about two weeks later i noticed these uh little little tracks in her dander that were not bird tracks it was a rat it was a full blown rat in my, and not not a small one. It was a big one too, man. There's a crazy story of how I found them and caught them, but like it was weeks later I was able to piece together that the rat probably ate the dried up uh, um, mandarin goby. That was crazy. That's a that's a gross story.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, rats are. Uh, we we uh, they tore down some old houses near my old house many years ago when I lived in a, a different house and. I think they unleashed like a rat's nest cuz all of a sudden everybody had rat like a rat in their attic right and so No. I can relate man. They're nasty creatures. Um, yeah. But
1: I mean they're just serving a role just like bristle worms system, yeah. the ecosystem whether you like it or
0: not. Spreading the plague, you know. <laughs> nah, no, I'm just kidding.
1: So I also got some uh, some new fish. Um let's see about a week and a half ago, I had a shipment of Xanthic eye angelfish. And it was so strange because we've seen um, aberrant color forms of like coral beauties before. I think it's like primarily coral beauties um, once in a while. bicolor color would come up aberrant. But I don't think we've ever seen these solid yellow eye angelfish. And something about the Xanthic quality just made their orange stripes like really, really bright. Very pretty fish.
0: What I'm blown away by was the number of them that were caught at... When you first sent me that picture, I thought, "Is somebody captive breeding these right, like Bali or somebody because what are the odds of 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 acquiring a, that number of xanthic species of fish in in a well even in just one location right it's it's mm-hmm. in,
1: I think it was a location thing. Yeah. I think it would be very similar to how there's like big batches of Koi uh, Scopus tangs once in a while. Yeah. They, they're found in one spot, but the the Koi Scopus, they change, but their color usually gets kind of more interesting or brighter or just moves mm-hmm. from one spot to another. Um, but these eyes, there was like a whole spectrum ranging from like normal eyes that were just a little bit brighter all the way to the full-blown, just golden yellow, just most striking fish really amazing specimen so i was sent three of them um by reef pro so one was a normal which i would call like maybe just a premium eye so it just looked like a an eye with a saturation turned up a little bit mm-hmm. and then uh, uh another one that was very odd he's he's like really dark on top with um like a yellow face and yellow belly and a lot of yellow markings so he's got more black and more yellow really strange but then I got the you know the solid golden eyeball, eye, and man, I, I something I just knew that those fish were gonna change colors. Um, but yeah, the Xantic golden started darkening up like almost instantly. I, oh, wow. I, I've been taking pictures every single day, and um, it's at first it looked like like smoke, like a weird smoky gradient on them and on him because the, the what I call the premium blight didn't change color the half and half didn't change color so he's still like the most mutated one and then the golden now he's got like this weird uh, uh, like a gr- gray layer over the golden coloration underneath so there's the xanthism is still there and the colors are still br- the, some of the colors are still bright but now the gray sheen over him makes him look a little greenish. Hmm. So he's nothing like when he came in, but, um, you know, that's to be expected. It's pretty well documented in like the, the coral beauties that some people get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to document that over time, especially to see where they end up, you know, mm-hmm. um, similar mm-hmm. to the Koi tangs, right? They, they tend to change over time a bit as
1: well. Well that's the other the flip side of the coin is if it can change color to a darker fish maybe some stimulus or some time will enable the fish or encourage the fish to revert back to the golden coloration yeah that's the the, the real uh, $10,000 question that's that's one of the the more interesting things i think
0: yeah it'd be cool if there was some type of environmental stimulus that happened in that location at a time where there were a lot of juveniles or something that sort of triggered that,
1: but I, you know i have to I have to believe that there's a <laughs> you got funny ju- you ju- <laughs> yeah. I have to believe that there's a genetic component, right, because I have the piebald one and then the norm one's a little bit juiced, but something some combination of genetics and environmental factors was either keeping them yellow or making them go yellow yeah it, it's hard to know it's really hard to know
0: yeah. That's a nice pickup though. That's those are some cool fish.
1: Hey, you know, I've I've loved uh you know the candy stripe angelfish since I was a kid because, you know, obviously the peppermint is unobtainium for all but the the richest stock traders and, and brain surgeons or whatnot. And so I always like really enjoyed the subtle beauty of that particular species. And I just happened to have a, what I call, a, I call him Normy now because he's normal compared to the others. So I already had one. And so the, what I call the, the, the premium eye is in with the normal one. And it's really interesting to have them uh all together. But it, if you look really carefully, man, they did, they got a, uh a blue iris an orange eye ring a cute little mouth bright orange pelvic fins and as they get mature they have a bright orange pelvic area and then the the degree in the patterning of the orange bars uh on the side or the they're actually thin stripes um varies a lot by individual and as they get older like it builds up a little bit towards the top of the head and if you have a male you know he's gonna have a little bit longer fins they are black and the tail is edged in blue so there's a lot going on in a a small package of a fish but the normal one that i got was traded into a store because he eats coral so i I gotta figure out a way I've I've tried one once,
0: uh, just because I was feeling a bit gutsy, and man, was he uh, he like for me, lemon peels and iblis are just the worst in terms of coral safety yeah. with with yeah. pygmies, um, which is a shame because like you, I've always liked them because they have such um such ornate pattern, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's not just an all yellow fish or this or that. It's it's like a very interesting pattern that you can get on the tiger pige, that was a cool fish too that I remember I, I would have if, if there were more of them and I could afford them I would have happily like set up a small fish only with live rock for a guy like that that was a cool looking yeah, fish too
1: the the tiger pike is definitely one of my holy grail fish you know and these guys are so close. They're so close to yeah. that. But but a tiger pygmy, you know, its color will mature, but it's not gonna revert any particular way. And you know, to me, like the tiger pygmy is a fish I've seen a couple times. Um, and they're just they're just so interesting. And they just remind me of looking at um some of the original Angelfish books from the late 90s that you know showed this crazy looking fish that was similar to what we were familiar with but at once also completely different Mm -hmm. and so it's just one of those um truly truly holy grail fish from my childhood
0: yeah uh, it's up there with mine as well um and it's a cool to me what i liked about uh, not you know not the twenty thousand dollar uh peppermint angels but you know it I don't know, uh, $3,000 is not cheap for a fish, but it's the idea that you wouldn't have to set up this 200-gallon system to keep something mm-hmm. rare, you know, and keep something yeah. cool and unique. Uh, I always thought, you know, hey, if you ever fall into some money, that would be kind of a cool setup, is you could you could go with something like that, and if they were available, and, and you could get away with it, in like a 65-gallon tank, you know, and yeah, do it up real absolutely. nice. and So, um, that was a... Uh, The Japanese angelfish book, like some of the example tanks that they had in the back, right? Like Mm -hmm. where they created these little biotope systems for pygmy angels. That,
1: that, yeah, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I don't just have it, I have it like at arm's length.
0: I always love those. And like the Japanese filters were always so crazy, you know like they had like the they they always had like the big wet dry they loved their ETS skimmers back in
1: the day mm-hmm. like they yeah. they were, they still do. Yeah. They still do. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um I always loved uh how they they mixed and matched lots of different spotlights mm. before they were LED they had they would use compact fluorescents or these like mini metal halides that would just screw into a socket with some kind of uh, you know, specialized ballast but it really allowed them to fine tune the colors of the tank in a way that we're only now just being able to do with you know hyper controllable led spotlights (laughs) i'm not trying to plug the a500x but man that thing is a a different beast you know you and i can do that because we have one yeah
0: yeah yeah i I think you you hit it on the head there maybe part of my romance with that A five hundred is it it sort of brings me back to those Japanese tanks with spotlights. Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a whole LED spotlight collection. Um some of them I used on my first led lit tank it was like a four gallon cube there's a couple a, it was a eco reef one so i did there's two videos on youtube of that thing that was my first led lit you know reef tank and that was also the first tank i ever did without any live rock that thing was all um all ceramic but i still to this day have some corals that were in that tank very proud of that nice yeah so speaking of books I went to, I actually went to a coral show this past weekend, the uh, coral farmers market to offload some corals and just like, you know, interface with the community. And I brought out some of the, um, the RAS books that yeah. Reef Builders printed a few years ago. And so many people came, came up to the booth and like, oh my God, racism, that was my favorite. I just got, you know, three Labooties or, oh man, I'd love to have this for the store. And I, you know, selling them at $75 and it let cheaper for what I call industry folks, just, you know, so, just so they can have it. And like, we didn't print this book to make money. We just did it because it seemed cool. And Rudy Kiter approached us about it. Do you know how many copies I sold, bro? How many? One. What? I sold one copy of the definitive, re- of definitive reference to most people's favorite group of fishes. It's like, they, you know, the thing about a book, it's like, it will never die. And you'll learn some cool stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not harping on anybody in particular. But it, it is a testament to how people feel they can get pretty much all their information online. You know, I don't have this library here just for for fun. When anytime I'm writing about a particular species of of fish or corals or crustaceans, or I I always pull out a book to have you know something concrete about where the the, the animal comes from, what depth, um, you know, male female differences, any fun anecdotes that might come from it that you won't find online.
0: You know, I always draw an analogy to music because it used to be like you'd buy a CD because you heard a song that you liked and then you listen to the CD and eventually one of the tracks that you always skipped over be suddenly over time grows on you and becomes your favorite song. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the albums that are probably my most favorite albums of all time. uh, A lot of them I didn't like when I first bought them. And then I would just Mm -hmm. continue to just pop them in from time to time and listen to them. And then they grew on me but because it took longer for me to warm up and like them it seems like the effect the the resonance of liking them lasts longer right it mm-hmm. does like i'm not over it and bored with it and <clears throat> fish books uh were a lot like that for me where you know you're looking up at your favorite fish and you're scanning past all this other all these other fish but then over time, as you pass through like certain fish, like you start to draw interest to those fish that you could care less about. And then suddenly those yep. become your favorite fish. Um, mm-hmm. and that's sort of lost when you're like just, you know, spot treating the information that you're going after, right? You're just saying, I just want to look up this exact fish. There's less of that discovery. Um, yeah. and that's a shame, um, you know, it's the same with music now, you know, like now you just go to Spotify and you listen to the, the artist's one track and you don't really spend the time to listen to the whole album. And you know what, God, that song know.
1: you may hate, you may love like six weeks from now and
0: it'll be your favorite song of all time. <laughs>
1: so. I've been on Spotify for about... 10 years since yeah. before it was tied into facebook I, mean, I remember i remember learning about this this music service uh, a long time ago i pre-signed up for it before it was actually available and i guess now over 10 years it probably got a thousand dollars i'm like man that's that's really cheap but i don't think i've listened to any full albums in a long time but just to kind of get back to on track with the fish books um you know i recently got this awesome golden hamlet There's no information out there on this Golden Hamlet, right? I have a Caribbean Fish ID guide that tells you a little bit about them. But Scott Michaels books, man, one thing I really still love about them to this day is there's a lot of anecdotes because – uh Scott, you know, he would have photographed a lot of these fish himself. He would have seen them in the wild. He would have done his research. And there's an awesome, you know, mention in there about the Golden Hamlet of how it seems to have a, a little bit of a concentration in this one particular reef in Nicaragua. And then I was able to go to Google Scholar and type in the species name for the Golden Hamlet in Nicaragua and just find out all this information about, you know, this fish is wide ranging in Caribbean. But there's just one spot in Nicaragua where, you know, most of the hamlets are goldens. Just absolutely fascinating stuff. So Scott Scott led the breadcrumb trail there. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing that, that people don't have forgotten about books is uh, you know they can lead you to more information that's in the book, and you know a real book has a lot of references and literature cited um, within the article, and there's a big section in the back where you, you know you can do a little bit home, more homework to find out more about whatever animal you're interested in. So yeah, it was it was just not surprising (laughs) you know it it was it was fun to sell a bunch of corals and i got a bunch of corals and to see a bunch of folks um but it's just a little frustrating when you know 75 dollars ultimate RASP guide, ID, everything. And so many people said dresses were their favorite. And only one guy who said he had been waiting for this opportunity to buy it in person after seeing it online for sale for like $600 because we had a few signed copies in the early days. And I don't know, someone selling a copy for, you know, big, big, big money. And he just walked up, plunked it down. (laughs) He was
0: happy. (laughs) But they'll go spend 300 bucks on a tiny frag, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing about the books is they're not going to die on you. I've had some of these books since I was a kid. Yeah. All right. Do you think that's enough of a warm-up to uh, tackle one of the biggest uh, news stories of the reef aquarium hobby this year? Sure,
0: but I, got, I, think, I think you've got the insider knowledge. I'm a little bit more confounded by it and trying to understand it, but keeping an open mind about it as well. So.
1: Well, that's why we make great co-hosts. There you go. <laughs> you know, if we, if we both had the same point of view, what what fun would that be, right? Yeah. So what's what's your take, right? Because you're you're purely a hobbyist. You've never been in the industry, but you've been around for a long time. What is your again, well, got reaction about it?
0: Um, I, I guess I'm still. I mean, I've I've I watched the videos and I've I've read the you know everything there is about it, and I. I can see the BRS, I think it's Ryan's his name, right? I can see his point of view of why it made sense from his perspective. And I can also see maybe from a, I don't, I don't know Neptune's financials, right. But it, you know, any type of investment is probably beneficial on their side. So I can see that synergy, but it's also, uh, intuitively just an odd matchup for me. Um, I'm optimistic about it. I have no negative. A lot of people got negative on the forums and I'm not negative about it because I I mean, I I don't understand why there's a point to be negative or attack it. Right. Because it's, it's really, you got to wait and see where things go with it. Right. Like you got to give people the benefit of the doubt that the intentions are good and everything else. So I don't, I don't have anything negative to say. I just don't quite understand it because, um, I mean, I can go into the things I think are beneficial for it, but I can also tell you the things that I think may be concerning. Um, the one is they're a vendor that reviews products, right? So now they are a vendor that owns a company that makes pumps, that makes a controller, that makes lights. Um, Doser. Dosing.
1: So Auto top off.
0: How are they going to wade the water? Um of, of, of trying to be objective and review other products, right? When they're in the business of probably of having, well, they're in a, their vested interest is to make the best light, right? To make the best doser. Um, so that part, but I mean, who's to say that they're gonna continue that track of being both a retailer and, tr- and trying to be a source of information, you know, unbiased information about products, right? Um, that was already a tricky water for them to wade anyway. Um, so, you know, curious how that's going to play out again, nothing negative. I'm just curious how they're going to deal with that. Um, uh, you know, how does this affect local fish stores and other retailers that sell Neptune, right? I mean, is it going to, maybe it doesn't impact them at all, but, uh, it's curious, right? Cause now your competitor is the owner of the product that you're trying to sell. So that, that should be interesting. The pluses I have are. Uh, Neptune's got more scale right for research and development and building products so maybe they can be faster to market which would be cool for me because I feel like they're kind of lagging Uh the, the innovation could be a little bit better there um, and again I'm not trying to be negative or critical I just you know I'm a Neptune fanboy I run Neptune products but I've wanted to see more from them right um, Maybe better interoperability with other manufacturers, maybe BRS can push that agenda harder, right? Like I know the, I know that um, their ecosystem has become a little, I mean, I, I more locked down and somebody's going to bring up, uh, what was it, IOTA X
1: or whatever, um, but all right, let, let me let me weigh yeah. in on some of the things you've mentioned. Sure. And just so for people who are listening who have not been kept abreast of the developments this year, as I think it was later last year, early this year, um, Bulk Reef Supply, um, the arguably the largest uh, retailer, uh, online retailer of marine aquarium products. Um, they got a significant seven digit, no, eight digit investment, like a huge investment from a venture capital firm called Bertram Capital. And, you know, that made some some waves when Reef Builders broke that story. And it was about a month ago, Bulk Reef Supply purchased uh, Marine Depot. And that sent everybody into a tizzy. And before, before reef Supply got their investment, it was very clear that there was um, uh, quite a cozy relationship between Neptune Systems and Bulkry Supply. There nowhere is there more Neptune Systems branding uh, besides the Neptune Systems website than on bulk resupply like the logos for neptune on the bulk resupply page before all of this happened were, were bigger than the bulk resupply logo it was it was interesting so like the there's definitely um more than some hints that the you know there was a lot of friendliness going on there so that's one of the things that makes me chuckle the most right now is you know these savants who have for two weeks or a month have predicted that Valkyrie supply was going to acquire uh, neptune systems when you know people who've been really paying attention have noticed this for like a year or two and then when the bertram capital came through they're like yeah that's probably a matter of time i don't think Neptune systems was on, on the market proverbially. Um, but you know, somehow they, they made it work and I feel, you know, we're as humans were programmed to worry before right. we rejoice and everybody's talking about the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's not good for the hobby, not good for the industry. But like, if we're, if we're being honest, this isn't going to change anything for the consumer. It doesn't change how you keep a reef tank. Does it? No, (laughs) Does it change anything at all? (laughs) You still have to mix your seawater. You still have to manage your your chemistry. Your corals don't care about bulk supply and Neptune systems being under the same roof. So like, all right, just tap the brakes. And I just want to remind people, you would remember this. There's actually a bunch of precedents for this kind of consolidation in the aquarium hobby already. Right, so I don't know who who it was first, but it took a couple notes. But um, I guess when I was in college, so mid two thousands, uh, Central Garden and Pet is um, one of the largest distributors of uh, pet products. Um, they bought core life. Oh yeah. It was a major brand, major brand at the time. Yeah. Like, like huge, huge brand. They offered a whole bunch of stuff, lights, pumps, additives, reactor media, protein skimmers, pumps. I mean, they had everything. Um, they bought Kent Marine. That was the biggest, you know, additive supplier at the time. It was a huge, huge deal. They bought all glass aquarium. The company that brought us the first, you know, metal, lists you know unframed uh, glass tanks and they've since rebranded those to aquion and they also bought interpet which is a smaller brand but i I believe that owns uh that includes like api so a lot of test kits and 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 uh medications and different uh aquarium water conditioners so that's central pet that's just one then there's spectrum brands So Spectrum Brands actually owns, I think, Rayovac batteries and a lot of lifestyle brands and and just normal stuff you might find at the grocery store. But they own Tetra. You know, Tetra was and is probably still the biggest manufacturer of fish foods in the world. Um, They bought Marine Land. Marine Land. We're talking about, you know, Penguin Powerheads um emperor filters um hot magnum canister filters uh i believe perfecto was part of that yeah yep um they bought instant ocean instant ocean instant ocean um uh, sea crystals that's what it's called right the the reef brand sea crystals sea crystals the reef brand for Instant ocean
0: reef crystals Um,
1: reef crystals there we go reef crystals and they bought omega c and you know guess what you can still find Kent marine and all glass aquarium products aquion core life tetra Marineland, acid ocean um you can still get that stuff except that now some of it is at the grocery store and a lot of it is at petco slash PetSmart. you know those brands were never like trailblazers maybe at once upon a time core life was definitely more hobby centric with some more niche products um, but you can still get those brands and you know what, you know, even if some of those brands stepped out of the, uh, hobbyist consciousness, I guarantee you they're selling more than ever, um, in front of even greater audiences across the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say those are much larger companies, right? much larger brands. If you think about it, like Tetra for sure, um, life is still, I, I, I think pretty big if you think about it from a consumer Mm -hmm. pet standpoint. Um, Yep. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I don't think the sky is falling. I just thought it was an interesting acquisition. Um, I liked what he had to say about, you know, maybe coming out with a cheaper monitoring solution for Mm -hmm. uh, beginning hobbyists. The, The Elmo? Yeah, I mean... I, you know, from a being the optimist point of view, it's like, yeah, if it reduces failure in beginner to intermediate or low budget hobbyists, if it reduces the loss of livestock, right, which paints mm-hmm. a better picture for the hobby. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think that we live in it. I mean, we live in an age where everybody's got, you know, smart plugs on their light bulbs and stuff, even if they live in a tiny apartment, you know. So, yeah, um, I don't think. The monitoring slash controller market is really like you know extreme hobbyist or the guy who you know spends thousands on his tank anymore. You know, I know you're not a big fan of controllers, but I I, I do think that they have a place for people who want them. In in you know, I mean, I, I think about people with nano tanks, right? They don't need a a full apex, no. right? But something just to let them know, like, hey, there's a leak inside your stand, or hey, um. Your top off is empty. You know, get get off your couch and do something about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool to have. And if you yeah, can no, break I, into I, that market I, for two hundred bucks, um that's a good push. I can to Neptune. I can
1: get on board with Ryan's um, strong feelings about yeah. having monitoring solutions. Totally, but I know what my five dollar chinese you know wi-fi outlets can do for five dollars retail yeah right and i've I've, par- I've parsed out the the components maybe not the r d for the software side and you should be able to put together a standalone smart ph uh monitor no screen just wi-fi capabilities just log into the cloud let me check on my on my phone for about twenty dollars that, ple- that you know so that leaves plenty of room with Packaging and, and software development and software and database uh, back ending um, to bring something like that to market for like $99 Then, then you want to upsell me a, you know $50 uh, screen so I can see it all the time awesome dude $100, $100 smart pH probe uh, monitor with no screen and then $50 upsell for just the screen, just so, you know, I can see it. Um, I, man, I would buy five. I would buy 5 <laughs> like, right freaking now. And you have to have, um, a temperature sensor to have, uh, accurate pH. So you would get both of those in one. Um, and then if you wanted to do another one for conductivity and, uh, you know, a Another one for water level sensor. Like, you know it shouldn't be that expensive, you know? My concern, and what will probably happen is like, you know, Neptune system side, they'll probably put together something for like $300 that does everything. And it's like, I don't need a $300 standalone monitor for each system with a screen and all these extra bells and whistles. So if if they, they can trim the fat, and this is something I really want to address. And one of the things that has... Held Neptune Systems back in the past is. I mean, they're not a small company, but I feel they've had. They have felt the need to take the Apple approach to having a Walden Garden and sure like their wave pump and their skylight and their core pump will work without the neptune systems controller but there's there's a lot of features that you're missing dude i would have a trident if it worked on its own like the communication radio to make that thing work would be like an extra couple bucks (laughs) it would be an extra couple bucks there's no reason to force it to work with to 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 operate having uh, um uh an apex controller right it's just uh, just a little bit more money to to make it work on its own i'd be all about it now if you wanted to you know then giving people the option to say okay you can monitor all your stuff with the trident but if you want an automatic controller stuff or uh dosing then you really need an apex because that's what controls the doser I, i totally get that so i'm really hoping that with this purchase neptune systems team and the direction that they get from bulk reef supply will give them a lot more breathing room because they they'll be less um compelled to to create these artificial situations where you have to buy into the ecosystem that's that's my that's my strong opinions about it i really hope that's what we see
0: yeah no i i mean i know it's a two-way street with vendors right i know um if a vendor chooses to no longer make their light or pump interoperable with uh neptune like uh, we can't fault neptune for that right but if they do have this open api or iota whatever reef iota iota x what i
1: uh, um internet of things aquariums iota there you go okay um but you're then, a software guy. You know about open APIs. Tell I us do. what that would take. Well,
0: and I'm I, I won't even dive into that, but I mean like eat your own dog food, right? Like uh <laughs> why not leverage that for some of your own integrations as well. And um I I don't know the I, I don't want to be critical because I don't know the whole story. I'm not an insider, but um I don't like that it has to be like a strategic partnership, right? Just open it up and let vendors take their stabs at it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That That's how open APIs are, right? Like, hey, we, if you, you know, and then let the consumer sign his life away, right? One little box when you log into your Apex, like, hey, if you choose to have this pump uh, work with uh, Neptune and, and your tank takes a dump, you know, it's not our fault, right? Legal, ULA, whatever, you're like, if you choose to use our API, you agree and then you check a little box and like you you know you yeah. don't hold them accountable anymore and then let us all get our hands dirty, right? Uh, yeah, I mean that, that, just, there's so that's many press sort of already. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so you know, there it's, it always becomes sticky um when two manufacturers have some degree of interoperability um but one great example and this might answer some long standing questions people have had of why Equatech marine gear uh, the newer stuff does not work with the neptune systems is cuz in the past their wxm module um i think that's what it's called right mm-hmm. um there's one for vortec and one for ai when something didn't work do you think they call up Neptune systems or do you think they call it up EcoTech Marine? Right. For the the vast majority of them would call it up EcoTech Marine because they saw it as an EcoTech Marine problem even though there was nothing wrong with the product that they were selling it was more the communication between that wireless ship and the, the Apex controller ecosystem. You know so it always gets kind of super sticky it does. In, in in that way. <laughs> Excuse but, me. But you know on the consumer end of stuff like people just need a Drink a beer. <laughs> Just drink yeah. a beer, relax. Like the the, the the fundamentals of keeping a reef tank are fine. There's a ton of precedence. You know, like when we were growing up, it was that fish place yeah that fish place was the catalog we looked out for and then custom aquatic became huge then premium aquatic became huge then marine depot became huge and now it's bulk reef supply and we've been through this cycle long enough like but marine bulk reef supply is not always going to be on top you know there's going to be a new angle and of doing business not just online there's going to be new economies and there's going to be a new leader for the next generation um so you know Every time these things happen, like the Spectrum acquisitions, like the Central Pet acquisitions, there was no no harm to your existing reef tank and uh, ecosystem.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I mean, again, I don't go to a lot of the conferences and stuff like you, you do. So I, I don't know Ryan or the rest of the BRS crew personally. But, I mean, just on a surface level, watching their videos, they seem like good dudes. And if those are the dudes that now sit around a conference room table with the Neptune guys and bounce ideas, that's not a bad thing. You know, like that sounds Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Uh, They're hobbyists. They're passionate. My concern is
1: they're, you know, it's, it's not a secret recipe that bh photo video uses a lot of data to have like the awesomest photography products it's no secret that amazon has a ton of data on their customers and that thing you have had in your cart for a couple days when you hit click and it shows up the next day that's because amazon knew for a fact that you were going to order it and it's already you know halfway here and so my concern is you know all the most amazing products um, in the aquarium hobby, and from Apple and other electronics manufacturers, there were things you didn't know you wanted, right? So if they're guided solely by the data, we're just going to get iterations of the same stuff. Yeah, you know, like putting together a monitor—that's that's an idea that's like twenty years late. You know, just a standalone monitor. You have a $300 box. If you have one tank and you want to you know, monitor salinity, temperature, pH, conductivity, uh, that's the same as salinity, a water level, a couple other things. That's That idea is super old. I could pull out my FAMAs right here from 1993, and the Octopus Aquadine did that for $800 plus some control features, and it hit you on your pager. I'm going to try to squeeze that into as many sessions of re-therapy as I can. So that idea is not not, not at all revolutionary but it would be really awesome to to see them eat their own dog food with the whole internet of things aquariums and uh, you know open it up to to smaller manufacturers now I, I really don't think the consumers should have anything to worry about huh. the one super sticky spot is bulker supply now owns a product line how does that reflect on their conflicts of interest when they're reviewing any product right you know, and that's yeah I, I'm, Th- that's i'm not that's just the trying question to throw mark. shade i'm not trying to throw shade but Builders is you know fully independent and when when bulk Reef supply makes videos about products that they sell they don't have any room to inject any criticism Right. They'll tell you, a, you know, a little bit about the product. They'll tell you kind of the basics and the fundamentals, but they're all sort of infomercials. I'm talking about the single spots, not the one where they really dive in. Yeah. I mean, they to, kind of admit, like their admit, admit
0: it, right. In one of their videos, cause they'll joke about if they say something bad about a product, you know, their sales team's going to come yell at them. Right. Because like, well, exactly, you just killed exactly. us, our ability to sell that product. And and so, they've always weighted that water, and they've done it well, I must add, you know, like uh, the, that that tightrope or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that knife edge. They've They've done a good job so far, but they're making it even trickier now because, yeah, they own a company that makes pumps and lights and controllers and dosers and, you know…
1: I, I, I think Ryan really, and we're talking about Ryan Bachelor. Um, you and, know, one and of the bigger heads.
0: Let me just add: I don't think there's anything insidious in their reviews. Right? No, like I don't think they're no. angling it. I don't think they would Absolutely purposely not. say, "Oh, Neptune's better than this," and here's why because we want to sell more Neptune now. Like I don't, I don't. I, they don't seem like those type of people. But in the best. Of worlds, nobody's objective, right? Like it's just it's human na- nature. To That's them.
1: that is so on point. No, there's there's very little objectivity. We all are going to have some personal preferences, but you know, I only accept products to review that I know I'm going to like already. Yeah, right. I'm not spending a lot of energy spinning my wheels just dumping on crap that I don't like. <laughs> That's not fun at all. Right, but you know bulk reef supplies had to navigate you know selling products and talking and reviewing them and now you know one of their big pushes they want to distribute a lot more you know to retailers like if i was a retailer i'm sorry i would never buy wholesale products from bulk reef supply i know it would be easier to get everything you needed you know like champion lighting was that in the day man i would buy all my normal stuff from central pet locally and then all my reef kind of um, a boutique stuff uh, from Champion Lighting, you know, the, the all the kinds of stuff that, that Central Pet didn't carry, and so, but it's you know, Bulkier Supply is your main competitor. So, so buying from them, Bulkier Supply is your more your main competitor than the guy down the street, like except for livestock, you yeah. know. And but so now that they own Neptune Systems. Do you really want to carry Neptune Systems and then feed feed them twice? You know, make them even stronger. That's a you know what you know what i think actually i think there'll be a few stores who really care and a few others who will just take the convenience right Like, like I've taken the convenience of buying from Amazon because I would go to store after store after store, not just aquarium stores, for random things. And they all say, oh, I can order that for you. And, you know, local stores have really dropped the ball of, of by and large, unless they're really committed to their craft. And, you know, I've given up. I just buy from Amazon. I'd much rather buy local, but Amazon will get it to me faster than my local retailers.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm also curious what
1: the other... Companies in the controller space are thinking not just the controller space because Neptune Systems now we're talking about a controller, yeah, monitor, auto top off, flow pump, return pump, refugium light, uh, automatic fish feeder. Did I mention doser? Now they got a skylight. It, I must be missing something. You know uh, the automatic testing machine. Yeah, they're really so not a
0: controller company anymore. They're an aquarium. Reef Aquarium product company. They have the
1: fleshed out ecosystem of aquarium goods minus the glass aquarium. And so yeah, it's not just a controller, right? If you're Kessel Ecotech Marine, you know I would just be exasperated, right? Because I'm sure Bulk Reef Supply is one of their largest vendors. And some smaller companies probably make a significant amount of their sales through Bulk Reef Supply. Almost like a Amazon for, for Reef Aquarium stuff, but they're just not self listed. You know, how does this affect their relationship with CJ, who makes flow pumps and return pumps? How does this affect their relationship with all? I mean, with the Marine Depot purchase, they also got Aquamax, uh, skimmers and lights and media reactors, right? They've, they've now they have a catalog of all their same brands. I guarantee. Tu, we're gonna see some. Um, probably the first of them will be some uh, some Aquamax lights with just the right chip or the right you know cable to connect and talk to the Apex. Mm. Right? It'd be silly not to. I mean, it's gonna be a while before that kind of integration comes out. It might be for future versions, but yeah, it's not just controller companies. But if what's this we're talking about controller? How how does GHL feel about you know having? you know, selling to bulk reef supply, which is now the owner of Neptune systems. Like how, how can they get fairly represented on that website?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that room to bring, to bring up our (laughs) third guest on the show here uh, that I've seen visit you from time to time there. But uh, no, yeah. uh, I do have to wonder, you know, like what they're thinking. And again, I, I don't think that the motives of acquiring Neptune are, you know, like I, I would like to think there's no master plan to you know take over the world it's like no, everybody's that's thinking. It goes. Yeah, Amazon
1: doesn't set up to shut down stores. Walmart's not set no, up to and shut down stores. Amazon just owns
0: companies that make Wi-Fi routers. They they own uh, companies that make cameras. Right? I think they they like they have a they've got the Blink cameras. Ring. They own Ring. Yep. But they still sell competitor products, right? So yeah, um, it's not like the first time that that weirdness has happened. Um, but it is, you know, uh, it does. I, I'm sure it does put those manufacturers like Coralview and GHL notice a bit like, hmm, okay. You know, that's something we got
1: to think about. Yeah, you know, there's 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 a the consumer side, I think is going to be fine. The retailer side is kind of going to be the, say the same. I'm sure it'll be a complicated relationship buying from your main competitor. Um, but I think the stickiest relationship is going to be between the suppliers um, and Valkyrie Supply because – you know, it takes no imagination to know already that Valkyrie Supply has been you know using their clout and their size to try to get the best deals, to try to get the most inventory, to just you know shave off as much expense and cost of everything that they acquire. That's natural. Everyone would do that if, if they were if it, they had the opportunity. Yeah, right. That's just a super natural human thing to do. You want to get things for the best price, get more stock in your competitor, get it suited in your competitor. And so um, here's the thing. I don't I don't think any of these these uh, manufacturers are surprised, right? Like yeah. they got a huge investment. Like, what are you going to do with 10s of millions of dollars? You know, you got to do you got to do <laughs> something. And uh, this is this is not a surprise, and it's but it is like um, kind of a wake-up call. But I don't think it came with Neptune Systems. I think it came with you know, before even the purchase of Marine Depot. Um, and here's the here's the, the the silver lining. I really think some of these companies have been riding the wave. You know, of just success and, and coronavirus uh, boost to aquarium exposure and the popularity of it and business as usual. But now that Neptune Systems is going to have a lot more resources to do more things quicker, um, you know, Ecotech Marine, they have put out a lot of products, but they're, they're, they're not even like a, a, you can't expect them to put out new stuff once a year right you know sometimes it might be a few years like the vortec mp40 i mean that hasn't been updated since the quiet drive when, when, when was that <laughs> four or five years ago not that they need to but now there's just a healthy amount of competition to maybe awake some of these companies out of their complacency
0: yeah i think it will um and i also sort of like what you said earlier about um Sometimes the best products are the ones we couldn't even imagine needing, right? Versus just like, oh, our data points suggest that we should come up with a better this. Um, for companies to develop and put out there things that, that you haven't even really thought about needing and suddenly you go, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. And then a month later, you're like, how did I live without this? Yes. Um, a company needs to be able to make mistakes, which means they need more money right they need mm-hmm. to be able to yep. afford mistakes you know apple's R and D budget is insane right they right. could make a total
1: flop the gdp of like that, five small countries
0: <laughs> right if they come up with a product and everyone says it's stupid and they made a billion of them they'd be like okay let's go back to the drawing <laughs> board you know but that could be complete and utter failure for another company so if this um lets neptune um Get a little more ballsier you know about trying new products and putting stuff out there um that would be good news right i i feel like they um i felt like trident was actually pretty cool so i'll make an exception for that in terms of
1: uh, putting something it out there it should have been standalone but but they didn't have but they wanted to tie people into the ecosystem agreed. up front You know, it's like forcing somebody to do something instead of enticing them to do something. Like, say, all right, you can use the Trident, you can have all your values reported, but you're not going to be able to manage them um, automatically in a smart way unless you plug into the Neptune and and get the dose. You know, so I I definitely prefer the carrot versus the stick or the upfront marriage versus later on you decide you really love it and then you want to invest more. So, those are some of the decisions I'm going to be really uh, uh, hoping to see more in the future some standalone products you know and i I know it's again supernatural to you know on on their end on the bulk reef supply and neptune systems and to paint this like it's all unicorn and rainbows and it's going to be so great for everybody and again i don't think it's gonna be doom and gloom but um it'll be really interesting to see what some of their i think their first step is going to be one of the most interesting right because they're gonna have to do something. I don't know, just powerful or just something that you know really makes an impression and gets people excited about about things. And um, you know, I don't I don't think a three hundred dollar monitor is going to be that great. You can buy a used Apex for three hundred dollars that'll do the exact same thing. You know? Yeah. They've <laughs> got it, they've it, got it, it, to show,
0: I guess, a return on that investment, right? That they've just received. So they've got to show some progress. And I'm sure they've had some products on the back burner that they would love to have done, but maybe.
1: It was refreshing to have them talk about it. Yeah, right. They were talking about the Trident two on the stream. Yeah, um, to test, I guess phosphate and nitrate, and I was, I was racking my brain to be like, well, what else would you do? <laughs> yeah. But it, but that, but then that would also just be the same Trident machine with different reagents in it. It Wouldn't really be something totally new. I don't know what the third thing would be to test. I don't any any thoughts besides nitrate and phosphate.
0: I don't really test anything, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just look at my corals um, and go, huh. And hearing them talk about the EL, because they have the Apex EL, yeah. which is a you know a light version, and then it turned into the Elmo for the EL monitor. Um, that's interesting, but man, three hundred dollar monitor again, that's just not gonna impress. I, I'll too tell you many where folks. I would
0: love for them to spend money, but they won't because it's there's no ROI for them, I think, to do it. Maybe in the sense of less warranty claims, but um Build something robust that's built to be around water, right? Uh, USB cables, Ooh. Ooh, um, yeah. The way the way things plug in, the housings, you 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 open these things up, like they're not marine grade, right? Like if you're they at least if you love your apex, comp- you don't put it right above your sump, right? Yeah. Uh, you you put it in the dry
1: cabinet. Um, I assume it's got a conformal coating on the PCB at least. On the what? on the printed circuit board has the conformal coating to just kind of repel moisture. You haven't, you didn't look that close.
0: I mean, uh, I desoldered my broken EBA 32 and I didn't see any coatings on it. Um, so mm. maybe, mm. I don't know. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, I would just like to see it a little more Marine grade, I guess, uh, in terms of, 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 you know, how they build some of that stuff. But again, there's no ROI. That's just going to make it more expensive on their part or they have to charge us more. But, um, that, that's just my own thing is that I would love to see that,
1: but, um, well, I have a few more thoughts, but I think like, this is a great time to stimulate our listeners and viewers. If you're watching us on YouTube, tell us, like, I yeah. would love, like, sincerely, I am not fishing for comments. I would sincerely love to know what people would love to see first. Would you like to see... Um, a smart Aquamax protein skimmer With some Neptune systems interoperability Would you know do you want something Completely different um, Do you want a smart heater right BRS made their own heater with A uh, um, Shway, shago and Inkbird, mm-hmm. right? So it'd be nice to maybe have a standalone I, I want to see standalone products, man. I just want to see standalone products. I'm, I don't want they could make everything fun and smart. Um, that's my point. But I would love to see what people w- w- would like to see themselves like I have a I have a $50 uh, wireless uh, tetra, tetra automatic fish feeder, right? The wired version from uh, Neptune systems is $100 the wireless version from Tetra is $50. You know, it's like, I, there's some there's some middle ground right there. So isn't the, everything uh, that's possible.
0: Isn't the Neptune one just a rebranded lifeguard aquatics?
1: Because
0: um, I have them both and I'm like, these look oddly similar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's got a cool hopper, you know, system, but it's, you know, a, a 2X premium over yeah, but the again, original. It's, it's a
0: USB connection right above
1: the water. Uh, it's just a power. It's just it's just turning it on. Even it if might you put as some well rubber just...
0: grommets on it, like Kessel does with their USB C. Right? They come with these nice rubber sealable grommets that just seal everything up for you. I don't know. That's
1: so. With all these concerns about the consolidation of the reef aquarium industry and certain things like I just want to remind everybody like first of all there's a lot of companies in the aquarium hobby that are independent there's a lot of vendors including saltwateraquarium.com premium aquatics um aquacave um that you know they'll sell you products too uh what's another one um aquarium specialty um aquarium partners there's a lot of companies you can buy from you know if you feel you're buying from the big back boogeyman so there's still a lot of selection um there's also a lot of fun small brands you know, small brands that are doing one thing and one thing. Well, I I just really, I haven't, I'm setting up to use, to install my refi, uh, led light, man, they have a 185 watt led about the size of a, uh, um, XR 15 gen five. Uh, and it's, 369 for yeah. 185 watts it's got a ton of leds it's got individual lenses it's got a vapor you know cooled heat sink it's got a built-in color screen for like letting you know what the light is doing it's got a you know controllable app you know these are some of the small upstart american made companies that you can support as uh you know your reaction to uh uh, this globalization within the American reef aquarium industry. There's a lot of smaller brands out there that are, that are crafting that are really designing new stuff. There's also a lot of black box Chinese LEDs that are getting the label stuck on them and claiming <laughs> to be something special. We're not going to shame those, but if it looks like a black box, it is a black box. They just spec'd out the LEDs and told them where to put the fans. <laughs> you know, it's just that there's a, there's a lot of other options that, that, that you can uh, support
0: yeah and i i don't know for me personally speaking it's a hobby you know so yes uh, don't don't don't, don't choose your hell to die on don't like yes. is it really worth getting all activists about oh my god you know this vendor bought this manufacturer and uh, to me it's like it's okay if that's you know that 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 outrage gets you excited and whatever and if that's where you get your joy okay but at the end of the day man there's so much in the world that I'm stressed out about already like this is just a hobby and I just want to enjoy my Neptune controller and if bulk reef supply has what I'm looking for and my local fish store doesn't then I may shop there you know and I'll watch the BRS videos knowing in the back of my mind that they're probably not the most objective place to get information, but they're still entertaining guys, right? Um, I'd still have a beer with them, so I don't know. Just, you know, it's um, I think it's important to remember it's a hobby and don't get too riled up
1: about stuff like that. That's what I was trying to convey. You you placed, placed, said it more eloquently. How you keep a reef tank doesn't change. If you buy Instant Ocean you're already buying, you know, if you use Instant Ocean, you're already buying from you know, a mega corporation listed on the stock exchange. If you have an all-glass aquarium, the brand, or Aqueon Aquarium, you're buying from a, you know, a stock, uh, US stock exchange listed company. You know, um, if you have a C clone or MaxiJets or an Emperor Pro Filter or, you know, any of these number of things, you were buying from you know the you know previous generations of major merger acquisitions that the aquarium hobby has seen, and guess what? It, product still works, everything's fine. Yeah, you know.
0: And, I, and I'm probably know, a hypocrite because, you know, Obviously, we've expressed our outrage about how corals are named and priced at times. So we 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 have our own bones to pick in the hobby
1: as well. And maybe somebody that's the hill that I'll die on. Yeah, <laughs> is is what words actually right. mean and what names actually mean. If if you know, I don't want to say talk bad about anybody, but uh, Steve Tyree was here the other day. He's here on Sunday after the show. I invited him. We had a great time. But it was a little. Um, perplexed or kerfuffled when he pointed out my Milka stylo and called it the grape ape stylophora. I'm like, "No, sir. No. This coral is the oldest documented stony coral strain. I think it's 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 like neck and neck with the Stuber acro, right? And he's calling it the grape ape. I'm like, "Come on, man. How dare you? <laughs> this is the Milka you, stylo. <laughs> this is like 35 <laughs> years old, collected from the Red Sea. Do your homework, you know. And that's the thing if you're not keeping up with the scientific names, the actual names, and you're not keeping up with the trade names, then what do we have? Yeah. What do we have now? But it was cool to have Tyree here and just kind of, uh, talk about some classic coral strains and you know show off some of the displays and he was really enjoying my uh, mangrove tank it kills me it kills me how much work some of the other tanks are so many more corals so many so many more fish going on and then the mangrove tank I've got Everyone five gravitates. colonies of, of, <laughs> yeah I've got five <laughs> colonies of, of, of larger monties and I have I don't know six mangrove trees popping out I mean just the way it's spotlit and it's just, just to have this above and below water everybody goes to that tank like oh I made it too good how do I make my euphilia you tank shine that hard how do i make my mixed or my lps or my acro tank how do i make those shine that hard or. but no that was cool it was cool talking to him about some classic strains and the early days of the hobby um he had hit the road so he wasn't here that long but it, it was kind of cool just to get a bounce off some stuff off of him but yeah coral names really matter We're gonna go knock it down that road um I I think my overarching thoughts, like I I have never gotten this many calls, messages, DMs, emails about anything that's happened in Aquarium Hobby ever. And I just told everybody, wait, wait till Reef Therapy. We're going to all get it out there. And there's no reason to cast any kind of judgment until they do something. Yeah,
0: and, you know, somebody asked me about it, and I said, okay, well, there's three outcomes, right, Um, specific to the Neptune acquisition, not around this whole, oh, is it a monopoly, which they're not, you know, they're not even close. But, um, one, they make Neptune better. Okay, that's great. Uh, One, Neptune, they keep a hands-off approach, and Neptune stays the same. Okay, you know, that's not bad either. Or they run Neptune in the ground right okay well then there's other controllers on the market that will fill that void right like it's a niche right in an ecosystem if, if the species goes extinct that dominated it another species will take over that niche in that ecosystem so mm-hmm. there's no end of the world
1: scenario right like it's just an it's just interesting <laughs> to observe right life goes that's on that's statement of the podcast there is no end of the world scenario just cool your jets yeah um I have been a detractor of Neptune systems because I don't want to see another plastic box with wires hanging out. You know, it's just just the same as the Octopus Aquadine from 30 years ago. Very little has changed, and I, I hope this gives them. If they have, you know, the ability, I hope that gives them the opportunity to stretch their wings and truly innovate like the Trident, you know, Trident really is in a class of its own. And I just, I just want to see them be able to do more of that and not feel the need to lock any of their users into their, you know, walled in garden. That, that's, that's what I want to see. But again, there's, there's no reason to, you know there's no end of the world scenario but i'm also super excited about this you know encouraging some of the other manufacturers to to hustle a little bit more
0: yeah yeah i think like
1: uh, i know ecotech could bring could build such amazing products you know uh chay has got a ton of design chops. um kessel makes some great lights what if they you know started dabbling in other things um i and i hope that we see a little bit more of this
0: yeah, you know, we might see some stuff come that's been stuck in the the skunk works, right? And and suddenly it's like, "All right, let's make a bold decision and put this thing to market, you know, let's let's mm-hmm. try to gain a foothold and it'd be interesting." It uh, that's that's the the gist of it for me is is I was a bit confounded by it. And I was trying to understand it. Uh uh, but if it really just boils down to the things that Ryan talked about, you know, about how they're just passionate about the product and they want to help make it better, uh, invest money into it, grow it. Cool.
1: All right. I believe everything that Ryan is saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is, he's a sincere dude, um, but he's not the only dude. You know, there's a lot of people at the at the round table now, and best laid plans can lead in lots of different directions. And until they make a first move, and honestly, a few moves, there's no indication. Even they don't know. They don't right. even know where they're they're, they're going to end up, right? They have best laid plans. They're super optimistic about the future, but even they don't know how this stuff is going to land and and what they're going to be able to achieve. But the Elmo. I'm talking to you, Terrence, and I'm talking to you, Ryan. That is not the solution. They'll just give me a smaller box with just a few you know, plugs hanging out of it because they used Apex is the same price.
0: Well, I, I don't think it's hard. F- I don't think it would be hard to build because you're just deconstructing an Apex, right, uh, into mm. something less. Um, but I do think there's a market for it. I mean, um, I'll relate to Ryan on this. I had a reef keeper right it didn't do a yeah, whole lot that's, but that's i liked cool it yeah. yeah and if you if they can build something for 200 bucks i i wouldn't be surprised if it sold you know um especially for people that don't want to program a bunch of crap they just want to know if there's a damn leak or the temperature's too high or the ph yeah. went out of whack that's great like you know I, some people are like i just need you to tell me to get off the couch and go fix it you know that's a lot. yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, just an insurance policy. Yeah. An insurance policy.
0: Um, sort of like putting people, a webcam in your house when you go on vacation. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, but the information that you have, at least you can pick up the phone and be like, hey, man, I noticed there's something going on in my house. You know, yeah. like, hey, I noticed the te- the temperature's too high. Oh, yeah, I went into your, your neighbor, tells you, hey, yeah, it looks like your AC died. Oh shit. Yeah. All right, let me call the AC company. You know, like, just little things like that could really be beneficial. If it's a low cost of entry where you're like... Yeah, the benefits of having that information are worth 200 bucks to me.
1: Right. But yeah. man, I wish there was Mac this year. So, you know, because this is a few months out, this would be a few months out and it would be in Atlanta. And we'd be able to bounce all this stuff off of everyone in the industry and just get a uh, tempered feedback after a yeah. few months of contemplating on it, not just sitting there reacting on a keyboard. Um, so th- I'm gonna be I'm gonna be missing Macna this year. I was definitely uh, uh, I wish I wish it was happening, and I wish it was happening in Atlanta. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, you nailed it on the head. There is no end of the world scenario. Your reef tank still operates the same. I'm not a it's funny because I, I might be one of the biggest control freaks because I can make everything in the studio dance, but I don't need a controller to do it. The only downside is I have a page of different apps, Yeah. but I'm proficient enough now to navigate them faster than if they were all on one app. Frankly, there's some apps that are just so slow or too many nested menus that it, sometimes it takes a lot longer to, to access different things within one app than all the devices that I use within different apps. And that is firmly a first world problem.
0: Now, I will say this, and I will hunt Ryan down if this happens. If I go into my oh Neptune boy. Fusion and there are like, they're pop-up ads for BRS in my Neptune Fusion, Ooh. or a little widget like, hey, looks like you could use a new heater. You know, like, I'm, Ryan. I'm coming for you, Ryan. Make,
1: make it happen on April 1st, just for a day. That'd be so fun. It's like
0: my wife's Kindle, right? Like, she turns it on and it does little ads and stuff. It's well, just, she must have got one of the cheap yeah, ones, subsidized
1: yeah. with ads. I, but it'd be so funny if everybody's Fusion app on April 1st said, Hey, Mark, looks like you could use a newbie.
0: little BRS ad pops up on my
1: Fusion. <laughs> no, I wanted to say Mark on everyone's. <laughs> mark vanderwalt be like damn you ryan (laughs) anyway cool on that uplifting note i think this has been um it's been nice to get it out there because so many people have been just blasting me about it. I'm like, all right, we're going to put all our thoughts into one re-therapy session. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening on your favorite podcasting app, make sure to, um, what are we supposed to do? Oh, yeah, review us. <laughs> review us, you know, let us know how we're doing. And if you have any thoughts about this in general, just take a breath before you make a comment on YouTube. And uh, this should be a very engaging discussion uh, here on Reef Therapy. So
0: thanks again for joining me, Mark. Thank you, Jay. uh,
1: We'll do it again very soon.
0: All right, man. We'll talk soon. See you. All right. Bye, everyone.